How are we doing? Good. Good morning, everybody. It's such a privilege to be here. I was saying to the, uh, the crew that, uh, the 745 crew, that um, just have such a, fond, a fondness for this church. Um, you know, Naaman and I have become friends, and uh, it's been a privilege to get to know names and, and Greg and Sue, just to honor the leadership with Sam and the rest. Ray and Penny, always so warm and welcoming whenever I'm around. I get a hug and a, a cuddle, and it's just, you guys are such an incredible community there. Many others here that I've had the privilege of having a conversation with and just, you know, saying hello. And uh, it's such a warm community. And uh, I just want to commend you for that because, um, well, you know, let me not say it's rare. I think churches are generally pretty welcoming, but there's something special about you guys, at least in my heart. So it really is such a wonderful privilege uh, to be here and to minister um, uh, this morning. I, I count it hugely... Yeah, I don't take these things lightly, so I'm just getting my, my timing going. Um, this is my daughter, Madison, so you can wave, Mads. Uh, she is uh, one of two apples of my eye. Uh, I've got a two-year-old at home running around ruling the roost, and uh, her name is Izzy, and uh, she is with uh, my wife, Marisa, who sends love. Uh, we've had a lot of sort of flu in the household, so if I'm sounding a little bit croaky, like what names was defining earlier or describing earlier, uh, that would be the reason. But uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to them, uh, turn to 2 Corinthians, you know, just all of this Christmas stuff that you were, um, you know, that was up on the, on the projector on the screen a moment ago and what Naaman was alluding to. You know, where we come from, uh, in terms of our church facility, it's a barn, basically, it was a barn. Uh, for lack of a better ex- expression, for those who haven't been there. And uh, it's, you know, I think it's because it's summer and things heat up, but we have a lot of animals around uh, our, our environment and like the smell that wafts through. Um, you know, the, the smells of Christmas for us uh, at Freedom House Church uh, are not like cinnamon and, um, you know, whatever else you've got going Christmas time. It's... Uh, literally pig manure and other things. So uh, I just thought that that was quite funny because what, I was, what, what led me to think about that was just how, how cool this, this, this venue is, you know? And um, um, so we sit on our Christmas Eve meeting and we get this waft of the barn. But actually, that is very true to what Jesus would have been born into. So I don't know who's more a biblical or correct there, right? No, I'm only teasing. Listen, um, the, 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 the point of all of that joking around is because the title of my, of my preach is um, Scent of a Human or Scent of the Human. Okay? Scent of a Human or Scent of the Human. Now, what I mean by that is Jesus, yes, 100% God, 100% man. And that's what I mean by the human, like capitalized, bold, underlined, Jesus is, was the, the perfect expression of what it was to be a human being, what it is to be a human being. Okay, the God-man, Hebrew says uh, that he is, you know, the exact representation of the Father, but he came in human likeness. And, and so when you look at Jesus, you see God's plan for humanity from right at the beginning. You see what, what was supposed to happen, and Adam and Eve, you know, coughed up that ball over the trial line. Jesus, somehow, in the miraculous work, mission, message, and ministry of Jesus, makes that right. And, that's, and we get to launch off of that. 
So that's what I mean by when I say sense of a human or sense of the human. And you'll get what I mean now when I read this out of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 14 to verse 16. It says the following. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma, there it is, the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Who is equal to such a task? In our own strength, we can't do that. We cannot, in our own strength, communicate anything of real, true, life-giving, eternal consequence unless we have been empowered by the Spirit. It is a supernatural thing that has to take place in us and that takes place through us as we surrender to Him and allow the words that God is wanting to speak to the person in front of us or to the, the community in which we interact and engage with it has to be empowered by the Spirit. Amen? So, again, I come back to this question. You know, the, is, it, is it the sense of a human or sense of the human that we are carrying? Our lives, so let's just come back and revisit some of these lines of Scripture. Our lives are to be triumphal trophies of His goodness, love, and mercy. We've just had the Springboks do their, their tour of the country, showing off the Webellus Trophy. Yay, box. You know, I'm a, I'm a massive Springbok fan, as I'm sure most of us here are, if not all of us. And it was great. It was great to sort of appreciate and see, you know, what they had achieved, the lift that it gave the country. We're all very proud of Sierra and the boys. They did an outstanding job, and we got to enjoy some of that. But do you know that the Christian life is supposed to be, some, is supposed to be something similar to what we saw visually with the box doing their tour of the country, holding up that Webellus Cup? We're supposed to be by our very lives this triumphal procession, everywhere we go, holding up the trophy that is the message and ministry of Christ. Are you with me? And it's, it's interesting. It says here as well that we are, we are led as captives. You know, so the Christian, the Christian life it's kind of this paradoxical thing because in one sense, you, a lot of the language that you hear used in, in Christianese is yes, Jesus sets you free. But actually in truth, you're, we're really going from one form of captivity to a better, much better form of, capti of captivity. We're either captive to the kingdom of darkness or we're captive to the kingdom of God. Okay, when Paul uses the language, Paul the bondservant of Jesus Christ, do you, do you realize that that language bondservant, in the ancient Near Eastern context, in Judaism, what they would do when the servants or the, the, the um, and you know, the way that the Jews were instructed to treat, their, to treat their slaves was nothing like what we understand slavery to be uh, in our modern day and age. But when a slave was set free and they loved their master and they were treated so well that actually they just wanted to serve this person the rest of their lives, they would take... Uh, a, a nail, an awl, and they would literally drive it through their earlobe into the doorpost of the, the dwelling where they would, would reside. 
or where their, their master lived. And they were making the statement that I am, I am going to serve this person the rest of my life. Yeah. It's a hard one, but it was, it was a powerful statement of love and just letting their lives be about serving the person that they had been previously enslaved to. So when we come to faith, and as Paul de uh, describes himself in Scripture, when he talks about being a bondservant, think about that. We are called to be bondservants. We go from one level of captivity or one uh, way of being captive, enslaved, and, and that is to the kingdom of darkness. Jesus sets us free, but actually he's bringing us into his kingdom. So we are led as captives on this triumphal procession, but the captivity that we're led into is one of a freedom, a joy, a peace, a prospering, a, a, uh, one of healing, all the good things of the kingdom, the fruit of the spirit. So whichever way you slice it, we're never really free, right? But, but, the, but the captivity to Jesus, to King Jesus, is a glorious captivity because he is a good king, because he is faithful. We've been singing about it all morning. He does not fail. He does not drop you or myself. He never gets it wrong. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So like what we were singing, that first song, which wrecked me in the first me uh, service meeting, and again, I'm just standing here hubbling, like drizzing, that first song. I don't know what it is, but there was something about that song for me personally that really was just moving me to tears. I will seek first your kingdom. And my charge to us this morning is can we do the same? So who do you smell like? Right? What is your life demonstrating? And does your presence... Wherever you go, invoke a response from people, both the saved and the unsaved, both those that, those that God is working with and those that God, not that God is not working with, but that have chosen to partner with, uh, as Paul describes in Ephesians, um, authorities and principalities and spiritual entities that are at work behind the scenes, the kingdom of darkness that is at work behind the scenes. Because we do not actually, guys uh, and girls, friends, we are not warring against flesh and blood here. So the person that is right in front of you looks like they're the problem. They're not the problem. Yes, they're the problem, but they're not the problem. The problem is what's going on behind the scenes, what is in the unseen. The problem is what they've chosen to partner with. The problem is what they're captive to. That's the problem. And we are called to come in the opposite spirit. So where there's hatred, we come with love. Where there's greed, we come with generosity. Where there's hopelessness, we come with hope. That is what it, that is what it smells like to smell like Jesus. That is what it means when you are carrying the fragrance of Christ. You know, um, I used this example in the first meeting, and forgive me, I may deviate from the way the first meeting went, which I'm sure is fine, but, um, you know, I bought my, my wife this beautiful perfume, Bulgari Rose, and when she puts it on and steps out of the, the bathroom and I can catch her scent from down the hall, I'm just like, yo, I'm not sure I want to go out tonight anymore. 
No, but I mean, can we all identify with that? When someone's wearing a really great fragrance and they step into our vicinity, we're like, oh, that's really nice. There's something, oh, that's very, very nice. And then there's my two-year-old who, in joyful oblivion, runs around the house with a soiled nappy. And she's having a good old fancy time, but the rest of us are like, sheesh. You know, rubber gloves, hose. <laughs> and she thinks, it's, she thinks it's funny. She thinks it's hilarious. But it's, it's, it's those two extremes, the beautiful, sweet-smelling fragrance of Christ or the dirty, yucky nappies of the kingdom of darkness. Not that my little one is, you get the, you get the metaphor. <laughs> it's just, it's, they, they're such polar opposites. And you know, what's quite strange about this illustration is that what smells really good to some people will smell really bad to others. It's because they're not in the right place. You are going to offend people, friends, when you look like Jesus. That's what we signed up for. Maybe we didn't realize it, but it's what we signed up for. And now that we're in Christ, we've got to, we, we are called as his bond slaves, as his bond servants, to look like him, to serve him and his purposes all the days of our life. And I'm going to be, hopefully, elaborating a little bit more on the kingdom this morning and what it looks like to be kind of operating in the kingdom. But for there to be a kingdom, you have to have a king. And a king is not voted in. You don't decide if the king can stop being king five years later, right? The king is the king. Certainly in our context. The king is the king. And that is sometimes really difficult for us to process and live with. I'm not putting my hand up here thinking or claiming that I have all of these, uh, this way of living you know, down, I don't. My daughter will tell you, I have my faults. We all do, that's okay. But thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. And thank God for the gift of salvation because it's nothing that we could earn or accomplish in and of our own strength. It is a supernatural thing that Holy Spirit works in you and works so deeply in you that you can't but respond. And so what we read here, for those that it has happened to, it is the fragrance of life. But for those who have yet to step into that space, something of what we bring, like the Pharisees' reaction to Jesus, what, what Naaman was alluding to earlier, before communion, is ugh, they turn their nose up at the message of Christ. Are you okay with that? We've got to be okay with it. Our king's okay with it. Is this all right, everybody? We are a kingdom people, and God's kingdom although present, is still very much resisted by the kingdom of darkness. Okay, we are a here but not yet people. So we, we live with doubt, but we don't stay in doubt because we understand that there is a living hope. There is a better story that has been told and begun in and through Christ, and he finished his work, but then he hands the baton over to you and I and the, and the church and says, right, now you take this message and you go and do likewise. Isn't that amazing? God entrusts the work of Jesus to us. And he says, you can go and do likewise. John 12, I think it is. Is it John 12? John 20. 
Jesus actually says, in the way that the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Where did I write that? Yeah, John 20, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So what did we see in Jesus? Casting out demons, raising the dead, healing the sick, proclaiming freedom to captives, hope to the poor, Isaiah 61, Luke chapter 4, speak of that when he stands up in the synagogue and he, he reads that. And he says, in your midst, this has been fulfilled. So there's a landing in Jesus of the kingdom arriving, and that really angered the Pharisees. But then the not yet of the kingdom, the living between the two times, what I mean by that statement, the here but not yet, is that it starts with Jesus and it hasn't yet been consummated. He hasn't yet come back. And so we're living between these times where, yes, we're kingdom people, where we enjoy the benefits of what Jesus has brought through, but we're still faced every single day. Ray was touching on it. Doubt, bad news, lights going off, water getting switched off. I mean, honestly, like I really, I might have said this in the, in the first um, meeting, I don't recall, but I really just want to sometimes throw my phone against the wall and... Cause, and it's my own fault because I keep going on to News 24. And just, maybe I should just delete that app. Because of, to be quite frank with you, it really bums me out sometimes what I read. But we need to come in the opposite spirit, friends. You know, what are you feeding on? What are you letting uh, capture your thoughts and your minds? It is, the mes- is, it, is it the message of Jesus or is it what the world is communicating? Because one is going to make you smell like dirty nappies. The other one is going to make you smell like Bulgari Rose or Donna Karen or Hugo Boss. Jesus Boss. He is the boss. I just want to read a few quotes from a friend of this church's, Alexander Fenter. He's preached here before. He's a friend of ours at Freedom House. He's a, a hugely a huge blessing to the church, just such a wonderful man and a friend. I'm privileged to call him friend. I'm just going to read a few excerpts from his book, uh, one of them, called Doing Healing. He says the following. He says, the kingdom of God in both the Old and New Testament means God's kingship. I've alluded to it already. It is a, dy- it is a dynamic reality rather than a static idea. God rules over all he made, but the Bible emphasizes the action of his rule. Okay, we are called to be an active people. There is something that the kingdom looks like, and it is, it is dynamic, it is moving, it is breathing, it is living. Okay? Why? Because what we were singing, we are carriers of the kingdom. The biblical theme is God is king and God will become king. Because how many of you know, based on what I've just said in a, you know, a moment ago about the news, uh, the news headlines that we read, in some realms of society, certainly doesn't look like Jesus is ruling and reigning there. Right? But there is a day coming when all of that is going to be just wiped away. And that's why when we are faced with stuff that wants to get its muckiness on us, we can resist in the hope knowing that this is actually not what I need to be giving my attention to. This is not the thing 
that is the final word on my life and over my life or the lives of my family and friends or this nation. Okay? When Jesus came to people, it was the end of Satan's rule over them and the beginning of God's reign. By destroying the works of the devil, Jesus set people free. He says this in Matthew 12, 28. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Okay? So there we see, an, see action. And I'm going to come back to this in a moment. In short, Jesus, God's King, spoke the words, did the works, and demonstrated the wonders of the kingdom of God. Spoke the words, did the works, and demonstrated the wonders of the kingdom of God. That's Jesus. And as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, says our King. Excuse me. You know, Matthew 24, just to kind of drive that point home and round it out before I go to what I feel to say next. Matthew 24, verse 12 says this. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. This is Jesus speaking. It's all in a red letter. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's verse 12 to verse 14. But that verse 12 again, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. I feel the pressure to let what is going on around me cause anger, vengeance, hatred, greed, want to get its grubby paws on me, and have me speak words of death as opposed to words of life. And that's what Jesus is alluding to here. He's saying, and he's speaking in the context of what's kind of, uh, what would be termed the end, the end times, but that's the discussion for another day. Let's show that right now. We live in a time where that is rife. Wickedness, lawlessness is happening everywhere. Is your love growing cold? Do you know what you... Do you know what you have to do with a snake? So if you're wanting to, a, a really dangerous snake, you cut the head off the thing, right? And then you're supposed to bury the head. You don't, you don't cut the head off the snake and then leave it lying around because if you step on the head of a dead snake, you can still get injected with venom. And it, it will do its thing. It'll, as if the snake was still alive. So the snake, the enemy, the devil, has been defeated, head cut off, metaphorically speaking, right? But the way that you bury the head is by coming in the opposite spirit. Because if you give yourself to the lies, if you give yourself to the bad news, if you give yourself to all of the stuff that the, in, uh, the, the, the kingdom of darkness would vomit up on God's people, if you give yourself to that, excuse me, then you're not cutting the head off the snake, or, you, or rather you're not burying the head. And you're leaving yourself open and vulnerable to stepping on that thing and allowing the venom of the enemy to get into your life. We have to keep that thing buried. And the way that you do that is coming in the opposite spirit, in love. Smelling, looking like Jesus. Carrying that scent that just, it, 
will, if, if the demonic are at work, will elicit a reaction that maybe you're not ready for. But if the Holy Spirit is ready and, and, and is, is hovering, as He always is, and is working in certain people's lives, you'll see the fruits of that. You will see it. God will not be mocked, friends. People will sow what they reap. Uh, sorry, reap what they sow, beg your pardon. So if you keep sowing love, even in the most hardened of hearts, you cannot but see a fruit yeah. to the glory of God. You can't but help, because God, because the, the, the Holy Spirit will work, I don't know where I'm going with this, but the Holy Spirit will work in partnership with the Word. So get the Word in you. Delete News 24, Greg. Delete BBC World. Delete CNN. Delete whatever your, your news binge is. And get the Word in you. Get the Word in you. Because kingdom people are people who know this Word back to front so that when they are faced with the stuff that would have us believe the lie that the enemy is vomiting up over your life and the lives of your kids or the lives of your spouse or the lives of your friends and family, we come in the opposite spirit and we speak life and we carry the fragrance of our king. You know, I find it incredible. Jesus is in a synagogue. He doesn't even, he, 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 he reads something from the scroll and then he sits down and a demon manifests. He doesn't even address he doesn't even go after the thing from the front. It, can't, it manifests because he's present. And, it, and he just rebukes that, that thing and it's gone. Now you might think I'm a little bit crazy. Why you, would you want to have interactions with those sorts of things, Greg? But I want to see evidence of Jesus in me. Oh, I want it. And I'm starting to go into kind of the part of my, um, my talk where, for those of you who are taking notes or kind of doodle as I preach, maybe draw for yourself like a quadrant, a grid, one vertical line like a cross, right? And, um, and also in your scripture or in your Bible, please turn to Ephesians 2 very quickly. Hey, boy. Jeez, okay. How much time have I got? Names? Can I have 10 minutes? Is that okay, everybody? I'll go quickly. I'm having fun, yeah, people. Is this okay, everybody? Are you with me? Are we, are we doing all right? Everybody up there? You guys all right? Okay, let me, let me just go straight to Ephesians. So Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. I will read it quickly and then make a few comments. As for you, oh wait, before I do that, those four quadrants. In the first quadrant, top left, right, and power encounter. The quadrant next to it, right, personal transformation. The next one below, if you are taking notes, this is for those of you that are taking notes, social transformation. And then the quadrant bottom left, um, world mission. Okay, so Alexander Fenter, again, in another book of his, uh, you, yeah, he's just got such wonderful resource at his fingertips and has been really helping us at Freedom House get to grips with these things, but he, he makes mention of these four things. Power encounter, and I'm mentioning these with reference or with uh, uh, reference to the specifics of um, kingdom characteristics, okay? So power encounter, personal transformation, 
social transformation, and world mission. Now, in Power Encounter, I've alluded to some of it already. It's, the, it's demons being uh, rebuked and exercised, manifesting, and, and Jesus getting rid of those things. And it's uh, healings, and it's deliverance, it's salvation. Okay, so it doesn't have to be this, wow, incredible, whoa, gosh, did you see a demon left that person? It doesn't ha always have to be that. Because let me tell you, it is a power encounter when somebody steps from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Salvation is profound, friends, because only God can move a person's heart. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts. We just sow seed. Okay, so power encounter encapsulates all of that. The second one, personal transformation, you have power encounter and then you start to change. Holy Spirit is working in you, you're getting the word in you. And this is where I wanted to land Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 10 because it speaks of what we were and what we are now. So let me read it. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's what we were. But verse 4, there's a big but coming in here. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Great language. Incomparable riches of his grace. There's nothing you can compare the riches of God's grace to. Nothing. Not all the gold and diamonds and precious jewels in the world can compare to the riches of God's grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus. It is beyond imagining. Think of, yeah, just let me leave it there. In order that, sorry, I've said that. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. Why? Here's why. For we are God's handiwork. Other translations will say workmanship. The Greek here, the word is poema, meaning that very word. It's like you are a poem. You are a personally written work of art by the Father. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works which God prepared in advance for you and I to do. Okay, so we're called, and, and those good works, five minutes, man. Are encapsulated by this, in part, by this smelling like Jesus, looking like Jesus. That's what. That's how uh, the works manifest. They're gonna. People will catch a whiff of who you are carrying, and what spirit you're operating in. Because unfortunately, some Christians we do we tend to partner with the kingdom of darkness sometimes without even meaning to and in ignorance. But you know you can either work with the enemy or get this in you and know you'll be able to sniff when the enemy's involved. And then you just reject that thing like dirty nappies. All right. 
So personal transformation. Alive in Christ, made for good works. And then there's social transformation. Friends, please answer this question for me. How can you and, and myself, how do we have a personal encounter with God, have Him change our lives and then not see society transformed? That doesn't make any sense to me. Because we are called to be salt and light. We are called to carry the fragrance of Jesus everywhere we go in everything that we're doing. Whether you're sweeping streets, raising kids, working the accounts, fixing a car, teaching a, school, a classroom full of children, CEO of a big multinational, doesn't matter. As a believer, you carry the fragrance of Jesus and that is profound. Your ministry is not, ministry itself is not restricted to professional, so to speak, pulpiteers. That's not it. This is the least. You guys are the heroes. Literally. Honestly. Because you go out day after day after day in environments where the kingdom of darkness is so in your face and you shine brightly for the Lord. Come on, Emmanuel Church. You've got this. Not because you can do it but because you have him who has already made the way. We are running in his slipstream. You're a beautiful bunch. (laughs) You've got this. Social transformation into world mission. I want to just read something. It's from uh, Proverbs 11, and this is the last thing that I'm going to say. I just want to read this because it's such a beautiful, I don't know, it just, it, 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 it's gripped my heart, this, this, this bit of scripture. Proverbs 11, verse 10 to 11. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Now, I want to just caveat this. We're not praying for the wicked to perish, right? Just making that very clear. But we don't want the wicked to have their way. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. That word righteous, uh, an author that I was reading for my studies, that word righteous is the word tzaddikim. I'm not doing it any justice. I can't speak Hebrew. But I'm going to read what it means. Okay, that word righteous, it's tzaddikim, spelt T-S-A-D-D-I-Q-I-M. The Hebrew word, okay, so, the tzaddikim, the righteous, are defined as those who are so in love with God and His kingdom that they steward everything they have been given. Their assets, their social position, their vocational skills, their power, their gifts, their prosperity, not for self-enrichment, not for the purpose of self-aggrandizement, but for the common good. They steward all the dimensions of their prosperity for the purposes of shalom, but for the purposes of advancing God's justice and goodness. And when the people at the top of the city, the people with influence and opportunities and talents and power, act like this, then of course the whole city rejoices. The people at the bottom rejoice because they benefit. By the way, the tzaddikim steward their gifts. They make life, sorry, by the way that tzaddikim steward their gifts, they make life better for everyone. That is beautiful. You and I, we might not be the mayor, we might not be a top CEO, we might not be the big, 
big shot in some business or whatever. But you and I are the tzaddikim. And we carry the spirit of King Jesus with us everywhere we go. Therefore, every person in the city, whomever you come into contact with, Monday to next Sunday, should reap the, 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 the benefit of what this described, what I've just read. The shalom of God, because you carry that peace. It doesn't have to be financial, it can be. Okay, it, it, it could be just, hey, you feel this prompting, let me pray for this person. And they get healed. Uh, just try God. <laughs> not to, uh, what I mean is, don't, not test him, but take him at his word. You know, I love that first song, I will seek first your kingdom, I will trust your word. I, I mean, I forget the lyrics, but Leighton, right? Leighton, isn't it? Just he, the, in choosing that song, if you're listening, Leighton, I know where you are, but you honestly smoked it out the park for me. It just was so com- confirming for what I had on my heart for you guys. It was so beautiful. Seek first the kingdom and all these things. This is, this is Matthew 6.33. All these things will be added to you. Is this okay, Emmanuel Church? So, power encounter. We trust God for them. Lord, change me, personal transformation, that I can be of impact for the, the society around me, social transformation. I am that tzaddikim. I am one of those righteous that are called to do incredibly good things for everybody around me, a bond servant of Jesus. And then the world mission, actually, the nations are on your doorstep. You don't have to get in a, uh, jump on an airplane and fly off somewhere. In society, everywhere you go, there are multiple nations represented in the places where we work, in the shopping centers that we walk through, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. So world mission automatically just comes into, the play, into play here. Because whole belief systems, ethnicities, cultures, and creeds, we're coming up against them all the time. And you can just love on them. You don't have to stand on the street corner evangelizing like Sidney Jolson, who's a good mate. I love him. And it challenges me because I've not done that. I want to one day, and the Lord will lead me. But Sid, there's a grace on his life to do that. But you go and do what the, where, where you are sensing the grace on your life to make an impact, just go and do it with God. You're going to make a massive difference. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Thank you for listening to me. I appreciate it very, very much. <laughs>